Well, hello and welcome to the Catherine Plano podcast, where we share tips, tricks, tools, and strategies that you can implement in your life for massive improvements. Every week, we have change instigators, compelling creators, and interesting humans who are breaking the cycle of convention and redefining success one mission at a time. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of practical goodness. Actually, you don't need to develop multisensory perception. It's a gift from the universe. This gift comes with a new potential. And the new potential is authentic power. The old understanding of power for five sensory humans was the ability to manipulate and control. That's the only understanding of power that they can have. But multisensory humans know that power is alignment of your personality with your soul. Kicking off this exploration into profound spiritual insights, consider this. How can multi-sensory perception and authentic power transform your life's journey? In the presence of Gary Zukov, a cherished spiritual teacher and author, we embark on an illuminating journey of self-discovery where we dive deep into these intricate facets of existence and the nature of karma. Zukov reminds us that intention and emotional awareness are the keys to unlocking multi-sensory perception and that true forgiveness is about letting go and finding acceptance rather than settling karmic debts. By choosing love over fear, we can shift our consciousness and craft a more compassionate life. This intriguing conversation invites you to embrace life as an experiment, inviting you to become the master of your own destiny while gaining a profound understanding of the soul's existence on your quest for authentic power. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. So hello everybody and good evening, good afternoon or good morning depending on what side of the planet you are on in this very moment. Today we have the most amazing guest for you, one of my favorite authors, Gary Zukov. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Catherine. It's a delight to be here. It's more than a delight to have you here. So the way that we love to start the show is we always love to ask our guests, what inspired you to do what you do today? Hmm. Well, the first half of my life was different than what I am now. I was uh, angry. I was addicted to sex. I uh, was emotionally violent. I used people. I never thought about them. I thought about myself. Uh, I was angry. I thought I was living a good life. I really didn't know how painful my life was. It was motorcycles, drugs, sex, 
and me. Then I got invited to a meeting of physicists at the Lawrence Berkeley Laboratory, which is, I was living in San Francisco at the time. And I went, and these people, people, they're physicists, some of the most renowned in the world, but I didn't know that at the time. They were asking themselves the question, are we creating the reality that we're experimenting with? And that startled me. Not the question, but because that was the question that I and some other people were discussing in coffee shops in North Beach in San Francisco, except this wasn't a coffee shop conversation. These were some of the best theoretical physicists in the world, and they were seriously discussing the nature of reality, physical reality. <clears throat> and I got so excited. I was a guest there for one one Friday afternoon, and the founder of this small group of 10 or 12 physicists was Elizabeth Rauscher, and I liked her immediately. She was sort of rotund and jolly and herself a physicist, and she called the group the Fundamental Physics Group, and she spelled it F-Y-S-I-C-S. And I was so excited by what I heard. I felt as though I just had two cups of cappuccino, but I couldn't express what excited me. I could not articulate it. So I asked Elizabeth if I could return the next Friday, and she graciously said that I could. And then I decided, after a while and through a process that was wonderful, that I wanted to write a book about the things that I was discovering. And I asked the physicists there if they would help me. And they said, all except one. And they said, yes, we will. And the only thing we ask of you is this, get it right. Get it his fact, factually, historically, and conceptually accurate. And that was my heart's desire. So I agreed and I started. And I would start to write and I would send them chapters this was on a Smith Corona electric portable, and I would scan it, I would copy pages and send it to them, and they would send me their notes on the back of the page, and sometimes they'd send me more than I sent them. They were wonderful. And after six months, I began to realize something that was emerging dimly in my awareness. I had started each chapter with an outline. But as soon as I started writing, I became more interested in the energy. It was going somewhere else. I didn't want to talk about the outline. I wanted to talk about what I was excited about. And so I did. And after six months, because I was writing about a, a chapter a month, I realized these chapters fit together. But how? I didn't do it. I threw the outlines away. It was all extemporaneous for me. And that's when... I realized that's when I experienced that I'm not writing this book alone. It's not possible to be alone. I was co-creating it, and I discovered in that moment non-physical reality. It's one of the supreme ironies of my life that I discovered non-physical reality while I was writing a book about quantum physics. But that's what happened. And I decided that I wanted to write, I wanted to live my life the way this book was being written. 
which is spontaneously, intelligently, and joyfully. And I've made some progress in that area. But this changed my life. The book I knew was going to be published. It's another thing that I later recognized as non, is multisensory perception. I didn't wonder if it was going to be published or worry about it. I saw it. It was. It had already happened. And it won the American Book Award for Science. It was bought by every American book club. Bantam Books produced a mass market edition of it. And it was translated into 20 or 30 languages. So that was the beginning. And the beginning was not so much the content of the book, although that was fascinating to me. And the book is so delightful to read. And I just realized yesterday that 45 years or so after it was published, people are still buying it around the world. The name of the book is The Dancing Wooly Masters. So that book was my first gift to life. Because I knew when I decided to write it, when I got the inspiration to write it, that I wanted to share with liberal arts majors like, like I, like me, who didn't have any knowledge of science, who didn't like mathematics, but who wanted to know about this thing called quantum physics. And I wanted to give it to them on a silver platter. Those words and that image kept coming to me. And I later realized that was the first time in my life that I did something for other people, that it wasn't for me, and it felt good. So that was the beginning of my path, and it's led to where I am now. And I've written some other books. Um, one of them is called The Seat of the Soul. Um, that book has been read by millions of people and also translated in, into many languages. And it talks about an epic, unprecedented, species-wide transformation in human consciousness itself, not in the content of human consciousness, but in human consciousness itself. It's not a book about what we experience. It's a book about what we now can experience, and it's different. And the difference between the old consciousness and the new is dramatic. The old consciousness was limited to the five senses. That's what suddenly got obliterated in my moment of writing The Dancing Bully Masters when I realized that I was in non-physical reality as well as sitting at my desk in San Francisco. The latest book that I've written is called Universal Human. And it's also a book in the same path. It's all in the same path. I am in the same path. We are in the same path. We are all on and in the same path. The only thing is some of us realize it and some of us don't. Those who have the new consciousness are not limited to the five senses any longer. And it doesn't make us superior in any way to those who are. It's only a temporary ebb and flow of evolution. 
the people who are watching your podcast, this podcast, are multi-sensory, or they wouldn't be interested in the things that you're talking about. It would be nonsense to them, literally nonsensical, because there would be nothing in their five-sensory experience uh, that could they could anchor to or relate to. This epic transformation is not only unprecedented and huge, but occurring with amazing velocity. It is happening in a matter of three or so generations. Five sensory consciousness evolved over 300,000 years. And this transformation is occurring within three or so generations. That's faster than an eye blink, Catherine. That's faster than a heartbeat in evolutionary time. But it's happening. And it's happening in us. So multisensory perceptions are everywhere. If you've ever had the thought, I, I think I'm more than a body and a mind. That's a multisensory thought. Because you are. You're a soul. You have an immortal aspect that existed before you were born and will exist after you die. If you've ever had the thought, I think that the world is not random. I think there's some meaning in it somehow. Everybody knows about synchronicity. Carl Jung spelled that out, but he didn't spell it out. He just said, this is what it is. Suddenly something happens and it's filled with meaning and it's got no reason to be filled with meaning. Well, your life is an ongoing experience of that. And as you develop, actually, you don't need to develop multisensory perception. It's a gift from the universe. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> this gift comes with a new potential. And the new potential is authentic power. The old understanding of power for five sensory humans was the ability to manipulate and control that's the only understanding of power that they can have. But multi-sensory humans know that power is alignment of your personality with your soul. And your soul is that part of you that intends harmony and cooperation and sharing and reverence for life. And as you align yourself with that, you create authentic power. And everything that I and my spiritual partner, Linda Francis, have taught and teach has to do with this evolutionary transformation and has to do with the creation of authentic power. Because multisensory perception is a gift from the universe, but authentic power is a potential and you need, we need to create it. And that's our future now. That's our evolutionary path. It's no longer enough to survive. We were a five-century species that evolved by surviving, and we survived by pursuing external power, the ability to manipulate and to control. And now we are a multi-sensory species that evolves by growing spiritually and grows spiritually by creating authentic power. That's what I came on to talk to you about because I love sharing it because it is becoming a part of our lives 
And you can see it in the last 30 years or 25 years, which is the first generation, an explosion of interest in health, in expanded awareness, in kindness, in generosity, in so many ways. Universal human is a lot about this. It's about why. It's, it's illustrating why our social structures are disintegrating. Because they're not broken. They're obsolete. They were designed by a five-sensory species to support a five-sensory species in its evolution. Now we are a multi-sensory species and our social structures are no longer built on external power, no longer express external power, no longer teach external power. Our new social structures that are emerging like grass growing through the side cracks in the sidewalk are based upon the soul, harmony, cooperation, sharing, and reverence for life. And this is continuing. It's not a static statement. It is a look into this process that is now touching the entirety of humankind. That's so true and so beautifully said. And what um, bubbled up for me is when you were talking about authentic power, I remember the very first time, and it was a very long time ago when I read The Seed of the Soul, for the first time in my life, I thought, oh my gosh, I was so external in my life. Everything that I did was validated externally of me. And so what I started practicing years ago was to center myself and be in myself, within myself. And that was where I started doing all the deep work and finding the answers from within. So when you talk about authentic power, I think it's, it's once again, it's activating that power within us instead of looking outside of ourselves for answers. Yes, but it's not a matter of discovering authentic power. It's always a matter of creating it. You don't stumble upon it, find it, fall into it, or be blessed by it. You create it. There's grace in the universe, of course. Yeah. Grace is a temporary perception experience of what your life would be without fear. But when grace comes, it goes. And then it's up to you to make that perception, that experience, a stabilized, ongoing experience. And often it's an experience of authentic power. It's an experience of connection, of love without conditions, of being in the world in a relaxed and healthy way. That's authentic power. How, do, how does one do that, Gary, when we live in this kind of, well, I have seen this over the last few years with friends and families. There's been such a divide. And although I'm very much about practicing being in my heart and and practicing love and compassion I'm still human and of course I have emotions that bubble up I allow myself to feel what I feel but how does one really allow themselves to expand as a soul I know we don't I mean our souls already expanded but we're here to experience but how does how do we do that with all the stuff that's going on around the world at the moment it's so chaotic it is it's chaotic because a five-sensory world is dying. It's disintegrating. And a new multi-sensory world is emerging. 
This is the most exciting time it's possible to be human, this in the next few generations, because we are standing with one foot in one world and the other in the new world. And we're always called to choose between the two. That's the choice between love and fear. So you said, how do you create authentic power? You use your experiences. Authentic power is... Creating authentic power is developing the ability to distinguish within yourself between love and fear and choose love no matter what's happening inside yourself, such as despair, anger, jealousy, hopelessness, or what's happening outside of yourself, such as a natural disaster or catastrophe, and choose love no matter what. That takes work. That is the work. It's everybody's work, and it's showing everywhere. You can see so many methods and and people of good heart attempting to share, some better than others, some very good. But all of them are focused on the people who are listening, are focusing the people who are listening to them on themselves, not on the world to find their happiness there, but on themselves to find what prevents their love, what prevents their joy, and that is fear. So when I say fear, I'm not talking about, like Kierkegaard said, fear and trembling. I'm talking about anger, jealousy, resentment, inferiority, need to please, superiority, entitlement. All of these, depression, obsession, compulsion, all of these are expressions of fear. And they all have a couple of things in common. Number one, they're painful to experience. And number two, when you act on them, you you create painful consequences for yourself. So we put them all in one basket, you might say. That's fear. And then your personality is not a monolithic thing that sometimes is happy and sometimes it's sad and sometimes elated and sometimes despondent. It has many different aspects. Some of them originate in fear, like the ones we just discussed, and some of them originate in love. These are the parts of your personality that you experience as gratitude, appreciation, caring, contentment, patience, all of the universe. And these all have, these all feel wonderful to experience. And when you act on them, they create constructive, good-feeling consequences for you. So in order to create authentic power, you need to find in yourself, not in the world, but in yourself, all of the frightened parts of your personality that prevent you from loving and challenge them and cultivate those parts of your personality that already are loving, that already are aligned with your soul. And how you do that is the creation of authentic power. There's two tools, and they're easy to understand. Emotional awareness is one of them, the first. When you develop emotional awareness, you develop the ability to look inside yourself. Say you become angry. Say someone offends you, or someone betrays you, or someone embezzles from you, and you have an emotional reaction That's an interesting word in English, re-act. 
That's a react, a reaction. So you're not doing something new. You're doing something you've done a lot in your past, and it's painful. When that happens, look inside yourself at where those emotions and sensations are coming from, not the world. Most people, five-century people, all think that the causes of their discomfort and emotional pain is in the world, but it's not. It's in themselves. The world activates and experiences in the world activate interior dynamics in you. And those interior dynamics create your painful emotional experiences. So when you look inward and locate those internal dynamics and change them, you're changing yourself for good. When you're changing the world, not much happens. Now, <clears throat> sometimes when you change the world the way that a frightened part of your personality, we'll call it that frightened part, wants to change it, you, you get happy for a while. For example, you want the boyfriend. You want this guy to be your partner. And then he says, I've been noticing you and I want to get to know you. And eventually he says, let's get together. Let's really co-create or something. Let, let's join. Let's be partners. Let's get married. Then suddenly you're elated. You're very happy. But then the person comes and he says, well, this isn't working out the way I thought it was. And in fact, I found someone I think it's going to work out better with, and I don't want to be with you anymore. And then suddenly you were at the top of a roller coaster, and now you go all the way to the bottom. You crash. So you were happy for a while, but the happiness depended upon the external world. When you create authentic power, you create joy in yourself. And joy is not dependent on the physical world, on the outer world, and it's permanent. And as you create authentic power, that's what you're doing. Now, if we have time, I'd like to go into emotional awareness a little bit. That means that when you're upset, when you're angry, despondent, you don't want to live anymore, or you're manic and you can't stop talking, any any experience of fear. Put your attention inside yourself and look in your energy processing centers. In the East, these are called chakras. A chakra is a Sanskrit word. And since we're English-speaking, we can call it more precisely an energy processing center. And energy enters your physical system through the top of your head, and it goes down through all of your chakras, trust or in fear and doubt. And when it's processed in fear and doubt, it hurts. You're losing energy. You're hemorrhaging energy. And that hurts. So I'd suggest that as you start to develop emotional awareness, you, uh, you put yourself, um, you put your attention in your throat area. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> thank you. And <laughs> she just gave me a, a light. She thought it might make her picture better. That was a loving thing to do, wasn't it? Bless her. It was a beautiful thing. And so when you look inside your energy processing centers and you find you're looking for physical sensations, look for physical sensations in your, start with your throat, your chest, and your solar plexus, because these are often the easiest to feel physical sensations in. And by physical sensations, I don't mean happy, bubbly, down, up, depressed. That's emotional illiteracy. 
if you want to become emotional literate, look at your experiences. You might say, you might find, for example, when you look in your chest that you experience a sharp stabbing pain in the upper right portion or a constricting, tightening pain across the whole area. I'm just giving examples now. In your throat, you might find a, a tight spot or a constricted spot, maybe the size of a ping pong ball in the middle of your throat. Maybe it's close to your chest or maybe it's up. Or you might find a stabbing sensation in your shoulders. Um, that actually is your fifth chakra, your throat, your expression. So you look at these areas, chest, chest, throat, solar plexus, for physical sensations. And we can describe what's happening in each of those energy processing centers. That is emotional literacy. Now you know exactly what you're experiencing. And while you're experiencing it, look at the thoughts that that part of your personality is thinking. And they'll always be judgmental or comparative. Like, oh, I couldn't be as good as she is. Or, oh, I'm not that good and I never will be. Or I'm not even worthy of all this attention. I don't deserve it. At the heart of what every frightened part of your personality is experiencing is the pain of powerlessness. And it's excruciating. And it's trying to change the world to mask that pain. That's pursuing external power. When you look inward, when you experience that pain, use your emotional awareness to identify its physical sensations and its thoughts. That is a frightened part of your personality. It's no longer a set of words. That's it. That's what's keeping you from loving. And while you are experiencing it, which means never suppressing or repressing or denying an emotion, but always feeling it as fully as you can, and this is as fully as you can. Then put your attention, while you're doing that, put your attention on a loving part of your personality, on a time in your life when you felt loved, you knew you were loved, or you felt loving and you knew you were. Because where your attention goes, you go. And that doesn't mean that you can necessarily stop the pain in that moment. But you challenge it by moving your attention to a loving part of your personality. And the more frequently you do that, the more the control of that frightened part of your personality begins to lessen. And eventually, its control over you disintegrates. And love, the experiences of the loving parts of your personality, begin to fill more and more of your field of awareness. That is how you create authentic power. That is the way I do it. It's the way anyone does it. No matter what words are put on this, the bare bones structure of self-transformation is self-awareness. You cannot change what you're not aware of in yourself. And then the second step is responsible choice. And I've already described that. That is putting your attention into a loving part of your personality while a frightened part of your personality is demanding that you shout, is demanding that you have sex, is demanding that you gamble, drink, eat, is demanding that you get more money, get more education, change your appearance to manipulate others. While any or all of that is happening, you put your attention on a loving part of your personality that's grateful. 
That's appreciative. That's in awe of the universe. That's patient. And that's how you create authentic power. Decision by the choice by choice. Decision by decision. And you begin to transform. I began as um, the motorcycle riding, drug using, uh, addicted to sex, angry, judgmental, uh, entitled, and superior feeling personality that I was in San Francisco quite a while ago. Although time is a funny thing, it wasn't quite a while ago. And you'll begin to see that the things that are important in your life are living in you right now. But use your experiences to transform yourself from one who pursues external power, which is another way of saying from one who sees herself or himself as a victim to one who becomes a creator in his or her life. So many questions. So I, um, the first thing, as you were speaking, I am practicing, and it is hard, Gary, I'm practicing non-judgment, uh, non-attachment, and non-resist, non, non-resistance. And I find that hard. And when you were talking about love, it's taken me, I went on a retreat for seven days. It was a fasting retreat. And I, I, I experienced what I call the dark night of the soul if that's possible, but I walked away for the first time in my life to say, I love you, I have your back, and I trust you. Now, it's taken me 57 years to get to that point in my life. And so what you were talking about is, and then it's, it's, I'm just trying to understand, so the love obviously has a higher vibrational frequency to the lower parts. So when we, instead of focusing on um you know, the strong inner critic or the saboteur or whatever comes up for you at the time, you just look at the beautiful aspects of your personality with love and being grateful for those, which will outweigh this other stuff that we were talking about. Is that correct? It's a high vibrational frequency. It just automatically um, diminishes the lower vibrational frequency. Is that right? Yes and no. It doesn't just automatically do it. It automatically does it if you do it. If you have the commitment and the courage and the compassion and the conscious communication and action to be aware of your emotions and to use your emotional awareness, it takes courage because they hurt. They they hurt. And your painful emotions. And you use your volition to move your attention into a loving part of your personality. And all of the three things you mentioned are are beautiful and powerful in my experience, Catherine. Non, not judging, not resisting, impulses that are destructive, which be reacting. And what was the third one you said? Non-attachment. Non-attachment. Mm. Non-attachment is everything, which is to say everything is intention. Intention is a quality of consciousness that infuses your word or your action. And when that quality of consciousness is love, love infuses your words and your deeds. And when that quality of consciousness is fear, anger, resentment, jealousy, despair, hopelessness, that infuses your consciousness. 
And just as you've said, everything you said is beautiful. It's frightened parts of your personality have a much lower frequency. And you can use the analogy of light because it is actually a reflection of non-physical light, which means that the lower the frequency, the lower the energy level. The higher the frequency, the higher the energy level. There is nothing more healing, more positive, more joyful, more constructive, more delightful, more fulfilling, more creative, more vital than love. And it is wonderful. And while you're in love, you you don't fear. You can't. Love and fear are mutually exclusive. And we are in the earth school. We are in this domain that we incarnated into when we were born and will die and leave at the end of this time in the earth school. We will die. The incarnation will die. Gone. Ashes. Dust. Never to return. But the soul continues. And the love and the voice and the energy of that incarnation and the wisdom that it acquired are there. They're always there and always will be there. And we can access them. That's part of multisensory perception. But start at the beginning, which is recognizing your multisensory perception, developing emotional awareness, and then using your, your, your will, your free will. And as you do that, you begin to change yourself. And as you change yourself, you change your life. You draw different people to you because energy attracts like energy. And as your frequency increases, which means you become more loving, you begin to draw more loving people to you. When I was, um, after I got out of college, I joined the American Army. And I became a Green Beret, which in those days was uh, something unusual. Now everyone has a beret. But what we did was still different because I was so insecure that I needed to prove to myself that I was worthy and I wanted to be, I would have said, admired. But now I can say loved. Green Berets don't say I want to be loved, and I didn't. But I don't attract that energy anymore. I'm glad that I've had those experiences because it gives me an opportunity to understand people in uniform with weapons and missions and ranks in ways that I couldn't have if I hadn't. And that allows me to speak with them in ways that are relevant to them and relevant to me and meaningful to us both. But as your frequency increases, which simply means as you become more loving, the process is simple to understand. But as you've discovered, it's hard. And it takes Oh, I suggest, if I can, we, we have something, uh, the uh, Spiritual Partnership Guidelines. Linda created these a while ago. She just gave them to me. They're brilliant. Uh, and, and they're in categories, commitment, courage, compassion, conscious communication, and actions. And each of these categories has some guidelines. And that is all you need to do. But it will remind you what it is that you need to do. And you can get them. Just go to our website. It's named after the book, seatofthesoul.com. And I'll support you however I can in creating authentic power because I have discovered it is wonderful. And uh, 
I've been talking about Linda. Linda is still with me. But her incarnation died last year. Gone. And that started a change in my life that was, for the second time, seismic. The first was when I discovered non-physical reality. And this was the second. Because as I returned home from the hospital, she had a stroke, a major one, and it could not be repaired. We had the best surgeon in our part of the country, and he couldn't do it. So her incarnation, the incarnation of Linda Francis, ended in an ICU room in a hospital in Oregon. But Linda is still with me. And I thought at first, I'm, I'm, I think I'm hallucinating. I must be, because I must be in so much pain. Not I must be. I was in. And the first thing I said to myself when I got back to the hospital, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I will not squander one bit of this pain. It's here. And it's too big. It's too immovable. It's too huge. It's not moving. And I know that everything that's in my life is in my life for my spiritual development. And that began a transformative process that in one year has been so remarkable. And it's helped me to see myself better, enabled me to see myself better, to see Linda better. And I realized after a while, I'm not imagining this. Linda's really here. Uh, she says things that are just, um, they can't make them up. And there's so much Linda. For example, uh, I was wondering once, what could I do to really co-create with Linda more so that I can uh, move into the kind of interaction I'd like to have? And what I thought was, I can do that. And the only way I can do that is to relax into my life and enjoy it. But I couldn't do that because every day was missing Linda and the pain was deep. Even while I was talking with her, the pain was deep. It was a really novel way of being in the world. A part of me did not believe that Linda was here and was in pain as though she were not and the other parts talking with her. And what they're talking and, and what we're talking about are good things. For example, I, I, I realize the only way I can really co-create with Linda the way I want to is to enjoy my life. And that's what I can't do while I'm missing Linda. So I told Linda, beloved, I'm going to um, forget about missing you. And she said, at last. And I said, so this is okay with you? And she said, it's more than okay with me. I love it. I'm thrilled by it. Forget about missing me, beloved. And this is not forgetting Linda. This is forgetting about missing Linda. I will never forget Linda. That is something I know now. Because I'll never, because I'll always be loving her. But not a heavy, there's nothing heavy about love. Everything about need is heavy and painful. So she continued. She said, forget about missing me, beloved. Relish not missing me. Bask in not missing me. Begin not missing me now, beloved. Begin now, now. We have things to do together, and all of them are joyful. 
And then she said, forget about missing me forever because I am with you forever. So I decided I'm going to set this intention. I don't think it's possible. I didn't know how to do it, but I set the intention. And people started to come into my life, like the beautiful person who brought me this lamp, said, you want that? And, uh, And others, a family. And so I started to have experiences in which I was enjoying myself so much, I forgot about missing Linda. For example, one family and their three children invited me, as they do for Thanksgiving dinner or for Christmas, and they have all their relatives there, and it's so wonderful. I forgot about missing Linda. Sometimes when I I, I uh, am just enjoying myself, I miss Linda, and it's happening more and more and more. And, by the way, this story, we just made it available to everyone. Uh, two months after Linda's soul went home to non-physical reality, our support team, which is my support, we're co-creators in the Seat of the Soul Institute, came together for a meeting in Ashland, Oregon, which we do every twice a year. And we were all so jolted, so shocked, so in grief and so in admiration of Linda. We decided we're going to make a video. And we did. And last month, so this will... Well, people will see the date of your podcast. A month ago was the anniversary of her soul going home. And we had a private showing of that video to our mail list. And then two days later, we put it on our website for everyone to see. And a month before that, or two months, I had asked the team to put on our website some personal messages that I was writing. Very... Uh, I wanted people to know what my experiences were as I was experiencing them, not as I reached back into memory later to try to describe them. There's 11 of them. And so we put them on the website too, theseatofthesoul.com. You go to the menu and you go to resources. And the first link under resources is the Linda Francis Celebration Series. And those are these beautiful personal messages. These messages, plus the video that we put on for everyone to see last month, had a remarkable effect on me that I could never have anticipated. And I never could have anticipated what happened to me when Linda's soul went home. But I didn't miss Linda anymore. And I don't miss her now. Sometimes it comes as a little haunting, hurting a little bit, gnawing kind of feeling that I wish she were in the house. I wish we could could read together at night. But I love what we have now more than what we had then. We are communicating in ways that are different and substantive about many of the same things because we always communicated about creating authentic power and helping others to do that. So I love all of this. All of these are experiences of multi-sensory humans. You'll see when you watch this video, it's not, it's a celebration. It's not a eulogy. It's not a memorial service. It's not to remember what a great person Linda was. It is to celebrate Linda's life. So that when people experience this thing they call grief, they don't have to submerge themselves in it for years. It's painful. It is need. You talked at the beginning about your practice of non-attachment. I was attached to Linda. 
and I'm still attached to so many things. Sometimes I feel like I'm bubblegum. Every time I bump into something, I'm attached to it. But I know what my path is now. Every experience of attachment is an experience of fear. Same thing. And it's painful. And there's only one way to move beyond the control of it. And that's to create authentic power. And that's what we've been talking about. And we are talking about now. So beautiful. And I feel that as you were speaking, and once again, it's like we're hanging on to, like you were talking about the the attachment, the moments, but that keeps us almost in that um, a, a different dimension, almost a different paradigm. And when we let go of that, we're actually allowing the two souls to dance together and and be together still to this moment and be able to communicate in ways that you probably never imagined, which is so beautiful. It gives I, I think that it's one of those Can things I say that, something, Catherine? Can I just say something? Because what you said is lovely, but it's not exactly the way I've experienced things. Um it isn't creating authentic power. Uh let me put it this way. It's not as though souls delight in dancing with each other. I don't know what souls do. I have no idea what the experience of non-physical reality, although my understanding tells me that I will as soon as I die, and I have before. But it's Linda and I are doing, somehow, we're doing something that's entirely new and, and beyond my understanding, but I've given up trying to understand it because that's not as important to me as the reality of it. And that is a trans-realm link of commitment, co-creation, and love. And this is where we are all headed as multi-sensory perception becomes the defining and common characteristic of multi-sensory humanity. We begin to realize that When an incarnation dies, nothing is lost. The incarnation is gone. But neither responsibility for what we've created in the incarnation nor consciousness end. And that consciousness is the consciousness that is part of a soul. It is a soul that incarnated, not Linda Francis. It is your soul that is incarnated as Catherine Plano, not Catherine Catherine is the incarnation, and it's temporary. Your soul is eternal. It's permanent. And as we become aware of multi-sensory perception and experiment, this is not a matter of faith. It's a matter of experience, observation, and changing your life yourself. Then uh, you're creating authentic power. And as we do as a species, we're moving toward the universal human, and beyond it. And beyond it is what we're talking about now. And I am not special. I know that. This is where we are all going. We are all going to multisensory perception. It is touching hundreds of millions of us. We know that there is more to ourselves than bodies and minds. We know that deeper meaning comes from other places than finding more money, beauty, sex, position, admiration. It comes from a different place and it's different. It's permanent. It's fulfilling. 
It enables us to give the gifts that we were born to give. That's another way of looking at creating authentic power. As you create authentic power, you enable yourself to give the gifts that you were born to give. You cannot do that while you're in the control of a frightened part of your personality that's angry or jealous or resentful. And you begin to see all the things that you might have read as a Christian or the things that you resonate as a Christian. Because the things that I don't resonate and I'm not a Christian have to do with fear, with guilt, with damnation. That's what we do to each other in our judgments. But in my experience, it's not a part of the universe. The universe is loving, compassionate, and everything that you experience serves your spiritual growth. So you begin to see that the things that you resonated with in your religion, whether it's Christianity or Hinduism or Buddhism or Baha'i or Islam, is real. The truth at the core of every religion is real. In the case of Christianity, it's love. The ability of Christians to practice it the way the Christ modeled it is more limited. I strive to do that. Christ said, love your neighbor. How much? A lot. How much is a lot? Enough to die for your neighbor. I don't know if I could do that now, but that's where I'm striving. And I'm not Christian. I love Christ. To me, there's a difference. The Buddha was remarkable. The Buddha gave a simple plan for creating a consciousness in yourself that is not confined to the five senses. But he presented it in a way that was designed to be understandable by five sensory humans. Now we are multi-sensory and we can begin to see things in Buddhism that we experience for ourselves. And the same thing with Hinduism, which is full of symbols, Krishna and Arjuna and the gopis. And we see Krishna was saying things that apply to me. They apply to me. This is an ancient scripture, something like uh, the Bhagavad Gita or the Mahabharata. And I'm seeing it in my life. That's multi-sensory perception. And no one has to preach it or persuade you or convince you or proselytize you. You're looking at it. You're experiencing it. The only thing that gives you meaning is love. That's in my experience, the Christ. The only thing that takes your awareness into realms of reality that are at the same time everywhere, that's enlightenment. I'm not saying I know what enlightenment is, but I do know that we're becoming multi-sensory and we're encountering experiences that five-sensory humans don't. And soon, all humans will. And that's what I love talking about. So, Gary, when you're talking about beyond the five senses, are we talking about things like intuitive intelligence and knowing within that's yes. beyond words? Well, um, in my experience, <laughs> first of all, I'm speaking to you from the limited perception of my incarnation as Gary Zukov in the Earth School. And it's from there that I'm sharing what I'm sharing. 
uh, light is infinite. For example, light, if you look at the light spectrum, you might visualize it as on a horizontal line. Well, the line to the right goes forever and the line to the left goes forever. And on that line, this much of the line, we can see it's the visible light spectrum from red and inf- red to violet. And we know it goes beyond that because we can use infrared and ultraviolet. We do it now as we're on the internet. Now, we are expanding. Human perception is expanding from five century to multi-century. So on this infinite spectrum, our awareness is going from this, I hope you can see it on the camera, to this. But it's a big deal. It's a big deal because we're getting there through love, because that's where it's taking us. But it's not taking us along for the ride. It's giving us multi-sensory perception and the new potential of authentic power. And as we create authentic power, we create ourselves as loving beings. We become able to move through the earth school with an empowered heart without attachment to the outcome. So I love that. And so how, um, and I'm conscious of your time too, how does one, and maybe that could be our three shiny golden nuggets, how does one start, because you mentioned that we create our own authentic power. What are some of those steps that we can start applying today as a way to experience that? First step would be to watch this podcast again and then apply everything that's in it, because that is the answer to your question. You can start today by setting the intention to become aware of your emotions in terms that I've described. And Linda and I wrote a book called um, The Heart of the Soul, Emotional Awareness, which takes you step by step by step into emotional awareness. That is how you can start. You can start with the intention. The intention that you have starts everything. Um, I've had this recent experience in the last year of setting the intention of something that I really didn't think I could do or was possible to enjoy myself. But the intention is powerful when you hold it. Your intention creates. And intention, when I say infuses Uh, words or actions. It infuses your choice. And that choice is a moment of creation. That choice is the moment when, if you want to look at it metaphysically, energy becomes matter. And the intention determines how it becomes matter, as love or fear. As you become aware of your intentions, you can begin to create consciously with love. And continually as you develop the ability. Uh, But in my experience, it takes practice. It takes work. It takes commitment, courage, compassion for yourself as well as others. Yeah, and a lot of accountability too, I think. You started off by talking about judgment. There is judgment in the earth school. 
but it's non-judgmental justice. There is justice. No one is blamed. No one is judged. Instead, you encounter in your own experience that which you have created in the experience of another. That is non-judgmental justice. In the East, that's called karma. It is flawless. So when you uh, do something that creates experiences in others, whatever it is, be aware that you will encounter them yourself. That's another nugget you can take with you. That means realize that you are, or hold the possibility that you are, a powerful and creative, compassionate and loving spirit. And monitor your words and what you say accordingly. That's another nugget. And here's a third one. Enjoy yourself. Set that intention. And you'll soon find that you can't, but you can become aware of what prevents you from enjoying yourself and then move beyond the control of that. And that is creating authentic power. That's beautiful. When you talked about karma I and the way that you described it, and I could be wrong, but are we as souls coming back to pay our karmic debts because of what we experienced in a particular lifetime? Yes, but it's when you say pay your karmic debts, it means like, all right, here it comes. You caused it. Now get ready. You can create different karma as you create authentic power, as you create with love, as you create with patience, as you create with appreciation, as you create with gratitude, you create karma. It's a different kind of karma. And as you do that, as you learn how to create authentic power, and you experience what you have created in the past, maybe in anger or jealousy or violence, you will still encounter that but you will recognize it and experience it differently. You'll use it to grow spiritually. How do you do that? Because I know for me, what, when I was going through my dark night of the soul, I I realized that I'd been practicing forgiveness for a very long time. So, you know, we've all had our own uh, experiences throughout our time. And every time I was practicing forgiveness, all it did was bring up, the very thing that I was forgiving them for. So if anything, it kept reminding me of uh, some of the, the, I guess, the the trauma, big or small, that I experienced. And at that moment, I thought to myself, what about as a a soul, if I chose this life and accept it, I can't tell you what happened, Gary. It was like everything was, it dissolved. And there was this sense of love. And so now it, I, 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 when I, I, um, I can't practice forgiveness is and it's, it's one of those things that I accept it because somewhere within me, I chose those experiences. What are your thoughts about that? I think that's beautiful. Forgiveness is not something you do for someone else. It's something you do for yourself. And when you forgive someone, it's, it's like, um, uh, Imagine that you're walking through an airport and you're carrying a suitcase 
in each hand and it's filled with rocks and you've got a backpack on and it's filled with rocks. And when you forgive, you stop and you put down the suitcases, you take off the backpack and you walk on your way. That's forgiveness. You're not carrying that burden. Another analogy, for example, when you don't forgive, it's like wearing dark, gruesome sunglasses that distort what you see. And you want everyone else to see through those sunglasses too. Here, look at her. This is the way I see her. You see, she's pretty unforgivable, isn't she? When you forgive, you just take the glasses off and you never put them back on again. And the experience of that is what you've described. You're not burdened with needing to forgive anything. That is forgiveness. You don't, and you also got a glimpse of how compassionate and powerful the Earth School is before your idea of forgiveness simply brought up for you what you needed to forgive. How beautiful, accurate, precise, and gracious is that? You set the intention to forgive. And so again, and again, and again, and again, and again, the universe gives you exactly what you need, another opportunity forgive, to forgive. And until you begin to see what forgiveness is, and you really forgive, not the other person, but because you don't want to be in pain of not forgiving anymore. Yeah. Then that dynamic ends. That's the earth school. Everything in it will support you in your spiritual growth, including those things that your personality doesn't want to experience. Sometimes very much does not want to experience. Yeah, and it was, you know, because you were talking about emotion, and I think for me, for years, I was hanging on to anger without even realizing it. Um, and it's because I was doing this forgiveness pro process, I wasn't really letting go and opening up myself to accepting what took place. And that realization that I had when I did that retreat was the other thing was, if we've come here to pay our karmic debts, I, as a soul, has, have chosen these certain can, people. Can, can you, let, let's just look at those words again, because I didn't <laughs> stop here the first time. Karmic debt. Yeah. It's not a debt. No. It is a balancing. It is a completion. Okay. It is a coming to conclusion. When you see someone, say, oppressing another person, if you judge it, you will create negative or painful karma for yourself. You do not know enough to judge. You do not know what's coming to conclusion or completing itself in that moment of anger or oppression. You can do your best to prevent the oppressor from oppressing the oppressed. But if you judge, you create karma for yourself. So when you say, we come here to pay our karmic debt, we come here to experience it. And we incarnate voluntarily. No one is in the earth school as a punishment or as a way of uh, someone with a big stick saying, you're going to learn this time or I'm really going to whop you even harder. No, it's no. not like that at all. The universe is compassionate and an incarnation is a dramatic act of spiritual responsibility. Yeah, I, I, it sounds like even just you changing those words makes it's it feels so much nicer. So even like as souls, we've come here to experience uh, one another. Um, what I realized was it, we get in the way of the uh, the karmic balance that's meant to be playing out. 
And uh, no, what? No, the karmic balance is the karmic balance is never meant to be playing about, uh, trying to come about. It is about. Yeah. It's not trying. It is flawless. It is. You can bank on it. Yeah. And and we're not coming here as souls to uh, experience just that. We a soul is incarnating, not the totality of itself, but a small part of itself into the earth school to grow through the experience of physicalness. The earth school has experiences and aspects to it that, that do not exist beyond the earth school. For example, time, space, matter, duality, and fear. And the soul chooses in consultation with its guides and its teachers, its non-physical teachers, and others to incarnate. And when it incarnates, it doesn't incarnate into a predetermined life path. You're not burdened with a destiny. But there's always potential for spiritual growth. And that will be with you every moment that you are in the earth school. So I hope that these are thoughts that will be helpful to the people who are listening to our podcast. And if they are, then my suggestion is to notice those that you resonate with and experiment with them. Not as though they were truth. Because I would suggest that you not accept anything that I say as so because I say it. Linda and I began every event with this suggestion. We don't give advice. But I do suggest that you not only do not accept anything that I say is true because I say it, but that you do not accept anything that anybody says as true just because they say it, even if they have a television show, even if they've written books, even if they have a congregation. You become the authority in your life as you create authentic power. And as you do, you realize You realize so much that's expansive, that's good. You realize the futility of blaming others for your experiences. You realize the futility of looking at yourself as a victim because you yourself have created what you're experiencing. And with those realizations, you begin to experiment with what you realize. And if you set the intention to develop emotional awareness, to create authentic power, not with the fear that you're going to hell if you don't do it right, but as an experiment. You learn to experiment with your life and to look at it as an experiment instead of an experience and see what happens. There's so much more lightness. When ex there's more playfulness around experimenting. Um, there's no fear of failure. It's just I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Gary, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom, your time, your energy. And I could sit here and listen to you all day long. It's like music to my soul. So thank you so very much. Thank you. 
You're welcome, Catherine. It's a joy to speak with you. And I speak now to the people who are watching us. It's a joy to speak with you. Thank I'm you. glad to be on the world with you. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please click on share show with your friends to help make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to get involved is to click on follow show or leave a review on iTunes so that we can give you a shout out on the show. If you have been a long time listener of the show, you know we are big on delivering content that is valuable for you. Content that will address your pain points. So if you have any questions or ideas for a podcast show, please reach out and we will create the content to meet your needs. Yes, you heard right. If you have topics, themes or special guests that you want to hear from, please send us a note to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will create a show especially for you. Wherever you are in the world, sending you love, blessings and peace. Namaste.